Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This podcast is brought to you by Midland Radio USA in Kansas City, Missouri. New to the lineup for Midland is the MXT 275, which we use on a regular basis in all of our rigs. We have been super happy with these units and highly recommend them to the Overlander looking to upgrade to a super reliable communication system. The Midland MXT275 Micro Mobile 15 Watt GM RS two way radio features a fully integrated control microphone ideal for vehicles with limited dashboard space, allowing for the radio based unit to be stashed away. Transmit with authority on 15 GMRS channels and 8 repeater channels. The MXT275 is equipped with a NOAA weather scan plus alert technology to keep you informed on local weather conditions. It also features a powerful new USB-C charging port allowing for the quickest charge time, including cell phones and handheld radios. Exclusive to Anderson Overland listeners, receive 15% off when you use promo code ANDERSONPODCAST on all items now at MidlandUSA.com. Welcome to the Anderson Overland Podcast. Hello, hello, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Anderson Overland Podcast. I am your guide host, Joey Anderson, and uh, I'm going to be here with you again for the next 30 or so minutes. My God, what a ride the last two weeks have been. I can't even put into words how gnarly it was. Man, Robin and I were uh, just going through it with... Actually, we weren't going through it. Our son, our poor nine-month-old son... Um, had what's called metopic cranial sinistosis, um, where basically they uh, remove the whole front part of your skull cap, rebuild it, and put it back on. Um, that's about the easiest way that I can explain the procedure. What happened was uh, before he was born, uh, his sutures, your, your skull has a bunch of suture lines, and the sutures on his dome 
right down the front center line of his frontal bone, which is your forehead, fused way too early um, while he was still in the womb. And uh, what that causes is uh, the brain not to be able to develop properly as he gets older. So that means that they got to go in there and fix it. So that's exactly what they did. And we've been anticipating this for months. We had an appointment set up for the poor little guy last month and we all got sick. But uh, yeah, so that put a damper on those plans. So here we are several weeks later, he went in to have surgery finally. So we got better and uh, just like the normal flu or cold, no big deal, got rid of it. And here we are. So two weeks ago, this actually, no, a week ago, this happened two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago now, I guess. Um, This happened on the 4th of August. Um, It was a Wednesday. Man, it was crazy. We went there again on Monday, had some pre-op appointments and uh, got a hotel again for the week. Went and had this done. Um, It was the most difficult thing I think I've ever had to do in my life was uh, give my son away to a team of surgeons and let them take him down the hallway to put him to sleep. Like I said, I can't even put into words how gnarly that was. Um, Never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought that I would have to do that with my child. And I expected it to be way easier and it wasn't. I, I just fell apart and obviously so did Robin. It was pretty difficult to see them doing all the pre-op stuff and getting them ready and, you know, hooking everything up. And gosh, it was just like, some of it just seems like a blur, but it was, it was, uh, I just can't even say how, how gnarly it was. It was devastating to see him have to go through that and to know what was coming, I think was the worst part. And there was nothing we could do about it, you know, just having to let our nine month old son go to people that we'd never met before. You know, the doctors we obviously had, but their, their OR team, we hadn't. And, um, that was very difficult to trust somebody with your, you know, your son's life because you just never know, you know, it's always in the back of your head. Is he going to come out the same? Is he going to look the same? Is he going to come out at all? I've had friends, family members that have gone into surgery and uh, they never they never came out. And so going through that with people over the years, that being so devastating, uh, it was definitely in the forethought of my mind, just just thinking about, you know, the worst case scenario as as you always do in those situations, because that's how your brain works. And so um, it was a grueling four hours of waiting out in the the uh, lobby area of UMC, which is University Medical Center up in Las Vegas, which is like the northwest area of the city. Um, if you guys are familiar with the Strip, it's basically just due west of the stratosphere, just on the other side of the freeway there, the 15. And uh, man, what a great hospital. It was a great hospital, great staff. Everybody was just amazing. Um, We only had like one nurse that was annoying as hell. Uh, Everybody else was awesome. So yeah, so we waited for, yeah, good four hours uh, to to hear anything from anyone. And finally, the the neurosurgeon came out and um, told us, hey, you know, everything went really well and the plastic surgeon is just fixing things up and he'll 
sew them up when he's done and we'll get them out. Well, we waited about another half hour or so. And I was just looking down, just, you know, just emotional, just a wreck, really. I'll be straight honest with you guys. I was a wreck. You know, you go from being a firefighter and being in control to absolutely nothing in your control. And, you know, I'm so used to the other 180 degree of that. And, uh, it was very, very difficult for me. And I'm, I'm looking down and Robin goes, there he goes, there he goes. And I look over to my right and down this, this corridor was Bodie with the OR team. And they were rushing him into the, uh, pediatric ICU. He had just got out of surgery. And so Robin's just like in shock. I'm in shock. I couldn't believe that she saw them go down this hallway. Just, I mean, literally like, I don't know, maybe 20 feet wide of this area, she saw him in the corner of her eye go by just a mother's instinct, I guess. And so I went chasing him down the hallway uh, because it's a pretty long trek between the surgery center and the pediatric ICU. So they were taking him straight to the ICU. He was still asleep. He was still tubed. Actually, when, when you have surgery, some of you guys are familiar with that. You know, they put a endotracheal uh, tube down your throat and he was still tubed and everything. I'm really glad that Robin didn't see that part of it because I'm kind of used to seeing that stuff. Um, but I really wasn't ready for that <laughs> in a way as well. Uh, um, seeing him in that, in that way was very difficult, but at least, you know, Robin didn't see that portion, uh, which I'm very thankful for. I think that would have been pretty traumatizing for her. Um, by the time we got into the pediatric ICU after, you know, I'd chase him down. I got to see him. She kind of got to see him cause she was kind of in tow. They got him in an elevator and they were up to that second floor uh, of the hospital, the children's hospital there and getting him uh, all set up. So they told us, Hey, give us a few minutes. We got to get, get him, you know, uh, disconnected and everything. And so obviously, you know, they, they had to pull the ET tube and, and get him going. So, uh, we waited in the hallway outside the elevator for what seemed like an hour. It was probably like 10 minutes and we got in there to see our little, our little dude. It was, um, pretty gnarly. I was very emotional. Both of us are very emotional, you know, uh, seeing these nurses and doctors around your son and disconnecting him and connecting him to other things. And, you know, his head was all bandaged up. He looked like a little Russian, one of those like Russian <laughs> um, head wraps on, you know, like the, the or the big uh, winter hats they wear, you know, just that little life. Just I could not believe what he had just gone through. And we're now seeing him after that, you know, you just start thinking about all the stuff in the surgery, you know, or in the, in the OR, you know, that that they did. And poor little guy, just unbelievable. Needless to say, we were pretty wrecked and just trying to be there for him. And, um, every time I looked at him, I just started crying. It was, it was horrible, but we, uh, we just hung out with a little guy and, and loved on him and, and just helped him through that process. And they were telling us we were going to be there probably a good four to five days because what happens is, um, in that surgery, you know, they, they remove his, his skull in the front there. They, basically made an incision from ear to ear right over the top of his dome, which you guys can see in pictures. If you've seen any pictures on our Instagram or Facebook that I've posted, or, or if you guys were following, um, and they, uh, they make an incision right over the top 
and then they removed the skull. So they they uh, saw that thing open all the way across the top and all the way around the front uh, from the ears to the front there and take that off. And then they they worked on the orbital ridge, which is above your orbits of your eyes, which you kind of think of it as as like the top of your sunglasses, that, that um, portion of your sunglasses. That's kind of what the orbital ridge looks like. And um, they had to uh, cut that down a little bit, you know, do some things there to prevent any, you know, further issues with his eyes. And they had to do a bone graft there between his eyes, uh, right at the top of his uh, nasal area, his notch right there. And they also had to do a bone graft across the top of his head. So uh, it was pretty involved, you know, just, gosh, just seeing that. And, and knowing that all that was done afterwards was, was gnarly. So anyways, we were in the, the pediatric ICU and, and um, they said, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty gnarly swelling probably tomorrow, which they're absolutely right. And you can see that in the photos too, if you guys are following that. It was, it was really difficult to see him in that way. And man, like I said, just words can't even describe how you feel as a parent seeing your, your child like that. You know, we just had to do what we had to do and um, trying to, you know, help the pain management and get Tylenol down. They said they wouldn't let us out of the ICU until at least one eye opened after the swelling, which we expected it to be that following, you know, Sunday or Monday. And so, you know, a couple of sleepless nights, I was, we were going back and forth from the hospital to hotel. Poor Robin, she decided to stay there three nights by herself. I had to leave by nine o'clock every night or one of us had to. And so I would uh, go back to the hotel, sleep and come back early in the morning, relieve her so she could do her thing. And she barely ever left at all. You know, I totally get that's Bodie's mama. So... She just wanted to be as close to him as possible, and and he needed her too. It was crazy. On Saturday morning, I had just got to the hospital from the hotel room, and I walked in, and he started kind of looking a little bit better. Robin ended up leaving the hospital, and she went back to the hotel to get some sleep. She'd been up most of the night, you know, to go back and take a shower and get coffee and do some laundry and get a nap and, you know, those things that she wanted to do. She came back about, I don't know, maybe four o'clock that day. This might've been Friday. Gosh, like I said, it's all a blur, but anyways, the, it was either Friday or Saturday. She came back and as soon as she got back to the, to the hospital, uh, she walked in and Bodie, his eyes had been swollen shut for the last day or two. And she comes walking in and he heard her voice he opened his eyes and reached out for her and grabbed her face and was like touching her face. And both of us saw his eyes for the first time in, you know, a couple days. It was just overwhelming, just overwhelmed, overwhelmed with joy and overwhelmed with emotion. You know, just knowing that, holy crap, he's, he's pulling through this. He's, you know, um, the swelling is going down and, you know, initially he was, he was having some, some issues with throwing up and uh, we were trying to give him Tylenol, liquid Tylenol, and he was throwing it up. And so that was worrisome. And that was, you know, like, wow, hopefully we can get this under control. And Saturday they go, Hey, um, he's looking really good. And we think he's ready to go. 
So we were like, what? Like how, what seriously? And they're like, yeah, his swelling's down and he's, he's good. And, um, I think we got the throw up thing under control. And, and so we were like, sweet, we're freaking out of here. So, you know, like I said, we were expecting to be gone like Sunday or Monday of the next week there. And, um, and we got to get out of there one or two days early, which was great because we were just ready to go. And we just wanted our little man to get out of there and get all those wires and monitor things off of him and, um, move on. So that's what we did. It was pretty awesome. You know, they're, they're pushing this COVID, you know, Delta variant stuff. I won't even go into that because, um, it's just, this isn't the right platform for that, but they're pushing that big time. And I'll tell you one thing, we were there for a week almost in that hospital and that is probably one of the most highly respected hospitals in the nation. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That was one of the first hospitals they took people to in the Route 66 shooting. Um, if you guys remember that a couple of years ago, that is a very, very popular hospital, much like Loma Linda University Hospital in the San Bernardino County area of Southern California, which is very well known. There was hardly anybody there with COVID at all. I think there was one child there in the pediatric ICU uh, who had COVID symptoms. So I was very thankful for that. But that tells you, you know, how much the uh, media is pushing stuff that not might not necessarily be true. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Anyways, so we got out of there and went back to the hotel and we decided, you know what, we should probably stick around town for at least a couple days, maybe through Wednesday. We'd, we'd booked the hotel through Wednesday. We we're like, man, we should, we should hang out just to make sure he doesn't have any issues. And, you know, so that way we're close to the hospitals. We live in Arizona, right on the Arizona and California border on the, on the Colorado river in the Southern tip of uh bullhead city area in that valley you know i work in southern california still but we don't have any great doctors in the valley in the mojave valley where we live and so we're like you know we need to stick by the doctors up here in vegas just to make sure so we had thought hey we'll stay through wednesday and and uh, just stick it out and then go home and get our money's worth out of the hotel we'll come monday we, we stayed, you know, uh, we got back to the hotel with him on Saturday evening. And then Sunday we stayed Sunday night. We didn't get any sleep just because the bed sucked and it just wasn't our own house, you know, and we were just, you know, trying to keep an eye on him and, and be there for his recovery. <laughs> we weren't getting any sleep. And so come Monday, we were like, you know what? Screw this. We're out. So we made the decision. We're, we're, we're going to go home. He was doing so well. We felt really confident about it, and we just decided to bounce. So we packed up. We had a little studio condo kind of thing at the Hilton there off Paradise, and uh, we had a ton of stuff in there just, you know, because we had thrown anchor for a week, spent about an hour or two cleaning that place up and getting everything packed, and we bailed, headed back for home. 
and it felt great. Bodie was doing awesome at that point and he could see both of his eyes were open really well and it was just awesome. So we uh, came home and that was the best decision ever. First couple nights was was difficult getting him to sleep in his crib. He, he wanted to be with us, understandably. I, I don't blame him one bit. Um, but now we've got him sleeping in his crib and he's taking naps normally. And he still wakes up, you know, early hours between like 530 and 630 in the morning and crawls in bed, bed with us and, and uh, sleeps for a couple more hours. But it was just really, really great, really emotional to to get home and to kind of leave all that behind us. There was just some great nurses that we had in the the pediatric ICU too, that we were blessed with that kind of let us do things a little differently as far as staying there and and stuff. Sometimes after, after nine o'clock at night, which was great, you know, to, to help, they allowed me to help Robin get him to sleep and, you know, take care of him and, and set him up before I left for the hotel a couple of the nights, which was really great. We were just super blessed. You know, there was, there was only like one, one or two moments at the hospital that were super annoying and frustrating. Um, one was, um, you know, Robin had been up trying to, you know, take care of Bodie. And there was two nights where this particular nurse would come and she would not let Robin fall asleep. It was mainly a liability thing. But Bodie wouldn't sleep in the uh, hospital bed. Um, he he just wanted to be in Robin's arms, you know, which is totally understandable. He's scared and he, you know, he can't see anything. And and so Robin would hold him on this reclining chair right next to the hospital bed. So he's still hooked up to everything and, and try and, you know, help him sleep. And obviously, you know, she set it up. So if, you know, he moved at all, she was, you know, she was right there with him and, and had him captured in her, you know, on her chest and it wouldn't be a big deal with this nurse would not let her get any sleep at all with him, which totally sucked. And then the last night that we, that, that she was there with, with Bodie, she told the nurse, she's like, you know what? Screw you. I'm sleeping with my son. I don't care what you say. This is happening, which I was super proud of her that she did that. And that nurse was like, yeah, I think you're right because he's, he's not sleeping and he needs to get some rest. And she's like, yeah, duh. Um, that, and, uh, one of the nights we were there, I, I shot some video of this cause I thought it was kind of funny, but, um, Robin and I are, you know, first of all, we are Christians, we believe in God and we're all about preaching and, you know, that sort of thing and, and living that life and, and whatever, but I'm not about preaching, you know, stuff down people's throats. And, uh, you know, I think there's a time and a place and these people pulled up right outside the window of my son's room in the ICU, uh, the pediatric ICU, a children's hospital. And they're like this Pentecostal Spanish Pentecostal, you know, church or whatever. And they pulled up, set up the speaker this uh, PA system outside our window blasted it at like volume 11 and just preached in Spanish um, for probably a good hour or two. And uh, we were trying to get Bodie to to go to sleep and just, you know, that blasting at the window of the hospital. I'm sure there was other children there that were trying to sleep and, and trying to mend. And uh, that was really, really annoying and super inappropriate in my opinion. But you know what? 
it is what it is. So um, <laughs> finally they left, thank God, and we were able to uh, do what we needed to do. But those are really the only two annoying incidents that we had while we were there. Everybody else was great, and the experience was, you know, other than what we were going through and the reason we were there, the experience was was very good. You know, everybody was just very professional and, you know, told us how it was and didn't beat around the bush, and I appreciate that. So everybody's straightforward and very accommodating. So anyways, uh, Bodie is doing great. He's doing great. He's just crawling around like crazy and talking and, you know, it's basically like somebody just pressed pause and started press, you know, press play and, and he started up like just like nothing ever happened. And so we're very thankful for that. He has had no issues whatsoever. He looks exactly the same, which we were really nervous about just with everything they were going to have to do up there and his forehead and his eyes and everything. The only thing that they did is they, they uh, shaved his hair back to about, you know, a little bit past the top of his head. So he looks like he's business in the front and party in the back, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's doing great. And, um, we're, uh, we're just really, really thankful for all of you guys and all the support and videos and prayers and just gifts and just, you know, I, I could just go on and on and on our, our family on here is, uh, you know, our listeners and our followers on Instagram and everything, man, you guys are, uh, just unbelievable. And there's people that we've never even met just sending us messages and, and video messages and, and it's just overwhelming sometimes. And, and we really appreciate that. So yeah, that's about how it went. And we don't ever want to uh, have to do that again. So they're saying that, you know, this is kind of a, a one and done thing. And so we're really hoping that that's the case that Bodhi doesn't have to have anything like this done ever again. And his, uh, frontal lobes of his brain will now grow in properly into the uh, cavity where they're supposed to, instead of, you know, the, the sides of his forehead preventing that. So yeah, it's going to be great and he's going to be great. Life goes on. So Really appreciate you guys tuning in here. Hopefully this wasn't too boring. Just wanted to get on here and give you guys some details of how everything went. Uh, there was probably way more that I, I could have said or should have said, but I, you know what? It's uh, That's what came to mind and uh, that's what I'm doing. So <laughs> hopefully it was it was informational enough where you, know, you were able to follow along and it wasn't too boring. But we got some good stuff planned and I'm hoping that, man, with this ramp up of COVID again. It doesn't put a kibosh on a lot of our plans, but you know, it is what it is. This is the time in which we are chosen to live in and uh, just that's the way it goes. So have a great, great rest of the weekend. Thank you for tuning in once again and uh, look forward to giving you guys much more content. We're going to be talking about some some new products that uh, are coming out soon and some awesome news that Truck Brigade is announcing soon. And we're going to try and keep up with uh, Chase from Adventure Overland. I don't know if you guys heard the last podcast with him, but he's an ambassador for uh, the Ford Bronco. Can't wait to hear more about that. So hopefully this whole COVID thing won't put a kibosh on that for him as well. Um, but you know what? We're just uh, rolling with the punches here. So anyways, you guys have a good one, and we will talk to you soon.
I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.